Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Quad Shot, where we help you down and digest the day's most pertinent cancer news. It's March 28th, 2022. Welcome to The Quadcast. Let's dive in. First up, the long view. The debate continues on how long to sign men up for androgen deprivation therapy when receiving definitive radiation for high-risk prostate cancer. Here is a combined look at three studies, both retrospective and prospective, including 3,410 men receiving either external beam radiation alone or external beam plus brachy along with an array of different durations of androgen deprivation therapy. As hypothesized, there was a significant interaction between the treatment type, meaning external beam alone versus external beam plus brachy, and the benefit of longer androgen deprivation therapy. Complicated analytical methods on the large multi-institutional retrospective database concluded the minimum duration for androgen deprivation therapy should be 26 months for external beam alone versus only 12 months when external beam is combined with brachytherapy in order to optimize distant metastasis-free survival. This was then validated by analyzing individual patient data on those receiving definitive radiation for high-risk disease on the two available prospective trials evaluating prolongation of androgen deprivation therapy, the RADAR trial and the DART trial. The authors best explain this validation of sorts. If the optimal duration of androgen deprivation therapy with high-dose external beam were truly 26 months, meaning greater than the sometimes proposed 18 months, then the effect observed in the RADAR trial, which compared 18 versus 6 months, would be small, whereas the effect observed by comparing the 28-month arm of the DART trial with either the 6- or 18-month arm of RADAR would be significant, and this was seen. On the other hand, if the optimal duration of ADT with external beam and brachy were truly to be 12 months, then the effect observed in the RADAR trial would be large, and it was. The bottom line is, this study provides more support that prolonging ADT greater than 18 months confers a benefit when coupled with external beam radiation alone, but not with external beam plus brachy for high-risk prostate cancer. Thanks to Kishan, JAMA Oncology, 2022. Up second large, and in charge. Large prostate volumes are a relative contraindication for prostate brachytherapy, but should it affect your decision to hypofractionate external beam treatments? Let's back up for a moment. Brachytherapy is not contraindicated for large prostate glands due to diminished effectiveness, but rather due to a concern about feasibility and increased toxicity, which may be avoided with equally effective or at least similarly effective alternative treatment strategies. However, it's also been clearly established that larger prostates pretend worse GU toxicity with conventionally fractionated external beam radiation. Perhaps hypofractionation 
will be different? Here is a look back at 472 men receiving moderate hypofractionation, almost exclusively 2.5 gray times 28 fractions for a total of 70 gray, for prostate cancer at Duke from 2008 to 2018. The primary variable of interest was size of the prostate planning target volume, prostate PTV, which was deemed large if falling in the highest quartile, which was greater than 138 cc's. As expected, there were no differences in biochemical recurrence nor survival based on prostate PTV size. However, also unsurprisingly, those with a large prostate PTV had significantly higher rates of late grade 2 plus GU toxicity, 59 versus 48%, occurring on a significantly shorter time scale. Importantly, this remained true on multivariate analysis even when controlling for baseline AUA score, suggesting size is not simply a surrogate for worse baseline function. Conversely, there was no association between large prostate PTV and GI toxicity. The bottom line is, larger prostate volumes increase the risk of GU toxicity across all radiation modalities, highlighting the need to investigate adjunctive strategies such as longer neoadjuvant ADT for downsizing to mitigate risk in this population. Thanks to Nathan, Advances in Radiation Oncology, 2022. Up next, linked. The Radiation Sensitivity Index, or RSI, holds promise of identifying which tumors, even within the same primary tumor location and histology, are most likely to respond well to radiation. This analysis dichotomized over 10,000 prospectively obtained tumor tissue samples across a wide array of primary cancer samples into an RSI high group and an RSI low group, according to its genetic signature falling on one side or the other of the median RSI for that tumor subtype. In the same way, each sample was dichotomized into immune cell infiltrate high or low, analyzing the presence of CD8 T cells, activated natural killer cells, and M1 macrophages. As seen before, RSI varied greatly within tumor subtypes. What's novel here is a finding that most tumor types with high immune cell presence are also characterized as RSI low, possibly signaling tumors most likely to respond to the addition of immune checkpoint inhibitors. In other words, the RSI, or the Radiation Sensitivity Index, links two assumed distinct tumor attributes radiosensitivity, and immune activity into one coordinated biological readout. Thanks to Grass, Red Journal, 2022. Up next, internal review. Check out our review in the newsletter of outcomes for 117 women with breast cancer with upfront gross ipsilateral internal mammary node involvement treated at MD Anderson between 2014 and 2019. They all received neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by surgery of the primary tumor with full axillary dissection, followed by adjuvant 
comprehensive nodal irradiation, including a boost of 10 gray to clinically resolved internal mammary nodes, or 16 gray to persistently enlarged internal mammary nodes. So the question is, was this sufficient? Our analysis is that it is, because internal mammary node control at five years was 98%. However, recurrence-free survival was only 67%, with virtually all recurrences, including distant metastases. And overall survival was 74%. The biggest predictors of better recurrence-free survival were a complete clinical response of internal mammary nodes and complete pathologic response of dissected nodes, while the biggest pretenders of worse recurrence-free survival were LVSI and, interestingly, extranodal extension. Thanks to Andrew, Red Journal, 2022. Finally, rarefied. Check out the review in the newsletter of primary CNS sarcomas that reveals that partial resections and adjuvant radiation are the norm in practice for these cancers, with a median survival across the entire cohort of only nine months. Thanks to Hader, Clinical Neurology and Neurosurgery, 2022. This concludes today's episode of The Quad Shot. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to our podcast. Also, check out our website at www.quadshotnews.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We'll catch you next time.